This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. fans and welcome back to podcast with statsman and aj that's rotowire's hockey podcast show friends i'm paul bruno and you can follow me at statsman 22 my partner on these pods as always is aj Scholes, and you can follow him at aj Scholes 24 on today's podcast we're going to finish our series of four preseason pods where we take a look at the atlantic division which has some of the most most famous rivalries in the history of the NHL. Before we get begin our look at this group, let's welcome back my co-host, AJ Schultz. How you doing, partner? Doing great. We got uh, NHL action starting tomorrow. Just so excited to be back and, and ready to go. Uh, really looking forward to it. And uh, my my Penguins are, are playing tomorrow to start off the, uh, the three-peat mission. So, everything's uh looking roses for me right now but uh yeah before we kick off the show just remind listeners that throughout the week if you have questions about your lineups fantasy hockey or just hockey in general you can tweet at us and we'll try and answer those questions we had a couple really good ones that came in throughout the week as paul mentioned you can follow me at statsman or at aj Schultz 24 you can follow paul at statsman 22 you just want more followers that's why you threw out my thing i like that <laughs> AJ, before we dive into the Atlantic Division rosters, see what I did there? Uh, dive in, Atlantic. <laughs> okay. Uh, we're very happy to welcome another very special guest this week. He knows a thing or two about building championship rosters in real life while we talk of doing so in our DFS and Fantasy League play. I'm so proud to call a seven-time Stanley Cup winner and honored member of the Hall of Fame, a friend of mine. He currently serves as the senior vice president and alternate governor of the Detroit Red Wings, a team that has a significant following at Rotowire's headquarters in Madison, Wisconsin. So let's welcome Jimmy Devalano to the podcast with Statsman and AJ. Welcome aboard, Jimmy. Well, thank you, Paul and AJ. Good to be with you. Thank you very much, sir. Uh, let me begin by asking you about one of the keys to the long-term success of the Wings, Jimmy. Their ability to find so many stars in Eastern Europe and Russia served them well for a long, long time. And they got you, you got into this uh, train of thought bef- well before a number of other teams caught on. Yeah, that, that's correct. Uh, we, I decided in about 1984 that... Uh, we were having a hard time getting enough talent, you know, in order to really be a good team in the 
And uh, I, I knew there were real good players in Europe. Of course, the Iron Curtain was up. So a lot of them, the Russians and the Czechs, you couldn't get. But uh, I knew there were Swedes and there were Finns. So I got over there. We hired a full-time person. We were probably the first team to do it. And uh, it, it helped us get a number of uh, good players, whether it be Sergei Fedorov, Slava Kozlov, Peter Klima, uh, Vladimir Konstantinov, people like that. Uh, Jimmy, last year the, the Pens won the Cup without a, a signature defenseman uh, like you had in Lidstrom in Detroit and, and Potvin in Long Island, you know, Pittsburgh won despite lacking that key ingredient. Do you think this is the start of a trend, or was that an exception to the rule? Oh, I, there's no doubt in my mind that's an exception to the rule. It really is. If you look over the history of the Stanley Cup, but generally uh, the teams have had a real stud on defense, you know, in Chicago, Duncan Keith, for example. As you pointed out, Lidstrom for the Detroit Red Wings and a spot then for the Islanders. So I, I, I think it was a little exception to the rule, but uh, the Penguins deserve a lot of credit for being able to accomplish what they did. I guess offsetting that was they have probably the best one-two punch at center ice, Jimmy. That that helped them go a long way. But uh, I'll go back well, to... Go ahead. no doubt about that, Paul. Uh, yeah. When you have a Sidney Crosby and a, and a Vicani Malcolm, uh, they're such great players. They had good goaltending, and uh, they were able to go back-to-back. And that's not going to happen a whole lot uh, under a, a hard salary cap system. Yeah, I agree with you there. Uh, Jimmy, your clubs, uh, in terms of the goaltending, you always had a solid 1-2 combo in goal, it seems, with a fairly even split in workload during many of the regular seasons, uh, while a lot of clubs currently rely on a 60-65 to game starting goalie load. Was that by design in your team's planning? No, not really. It just uh, happened that way. Uh, part of the reason, I think, for that was that, uh, and I have to be careful how I say that, we never really had what you would call an all-star goaltender other than Dominic Hasek, okay? Mm -hmm. Uh, When we had Hasek and we didn't have him very long, a year or two, but we did get a cup, he was an all-star and he would play most of the game. Right. are known for their fantastic uh, Grand Rapids affiliate, really turning out top players, uh, regardless of where they were drafted, uh, say perhaps for Dylan Larkin, who kind of just dipped his toe in the AHL. Uh, how important was that uh, that proving ground towards the Wings' long uh, string of success? Well, it's, it's, it's important, and, and you see other teams that, that do it, uh, we did it with the Islanders having a strong team in Indianapolis. Montreal 
Canadians, of course, uh, for many, many years, always had a good, uh, good farm system. It's important, and it gives you a chance to develop second, third, fourth, fifth round picks. Uh, young players are ready to come right in and play in the NHL, but with time at the American Hockey League level, uh, they get better and uh, uh, they're eventually able to come up to the big club. But you see a lot of that right now in Toronto with the good job that they're doing with the Toronto Marlboros. Okay, they're, they're developing a lot of good young players using their farm system to to, to advantage. Jimmy, last year uh, Datsuk left your club to return to Russia to uh, his swan song of his hockey career, wanted to go back to his native land. Nobody can blame him for wanting that. And now we hear that Henrik Zetterberg has announced that this will be his last season in the NHL. Those have been the two of the remaining signature pieces from the glory days of the Red Wings. Uh, even though, I have a contract question for you. Even though Zetterberg has two years and over $12 million remaining on his deal, what are the cap implications for such a decision? You know what, Paul, uh, that isn't totally accurate. Uh, he got caught uh, talking to a Swedish reporter, oh. and the story was taken out of context. And since that time, Henrik Zetterberg has really clarified that here over in North America. Henrik mm-hmm. Zetterberg really has four years left on a contract, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, and... Uh, it, it is his intention to attempt to play those years out if possible. Uh, however, he is 37. Mm-hmm. He has a lot of miles naturally on his body. But his, his intention, and he has stated it now publicly here, that that is his intention to play it out, uh, assuming that his health will allow him to do that. Currently, as we speak, he is healthy. So, so final, final question here for you, Jimmy. What's your expectation out of the Wings this season? Are we are we starting up another uh, 25-year stretch of playoff runs this year? I, I, I would like to think we are, but uh, I highly doubt it, AJ, to be very candid with you. Um, I don't think anybody under a hard salary cap system and the way the draft works, I don't think anybody's ever going to make the playoffs 25 straight years in a row again. I think those days are over. The system is designed for that not to happen, okay? Uh, we are in a, 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 a rebuild uh, situation in Detroit. We're going to try to make the playoffs, but a lot of good things are going to happen for us to make it this year. Uh, we we just uh, don't have the team we once had. Uh, the our drafting position for 25 years has caught up to us, and uh, so we're in we're in a rebuild. We'll do the very best we can, though. Jimmy, it's been our a pleasure to have you on our show. We thank you for joining us on this episode of the podcast, the final preseason episode. The serious shooting starts tomorrow tomorrow night. Uh, we look forward to having you on back with us a few times during the regular season and want to thank you very, very much for joining us today. It's been a real treat for all of us. That's, that's great, Paul. 
I enjoyed it, and thanks, Paul, and thanks, AJ. We'll talk down the road. Thank you. Cheers. Well, wasn't that great, AJ? The first Hall of Famer to join our show, uh, a real coup for us. I'm absolutely thrilled and, and want to thank Jimmy again. We'll talk to him down the line. And uh, let's continue, uh, AJ. Right now, we're going to get into the Atlantic Division outlook, beginning with the Boston Bruins, who finished third in this group and were dispatched by the Senators in six games of the first round. Uh, the forward lines break down like this. They're going to have Marshawn, Bergeron, and uh, Bjork on the first line. We'll have a little more to say about him. DeBrusque, Krejci, and Pasternak on the second line. And Corrali, Spooner, and Bacchus on the third line. Wait, we see it? Now, Marshawn has become the class of this group, AJ. One of the most complete players in the league, but he's also one of the top pests, boy, oh, boy. Their, their one-two punch at center has been very healthy, but both are now in their early 30s. Not a recipe for extended success and they're becoming slightly less productive already. I penciled both of them in for around 50 points myself. Pasternak, however, has emerged as their next star after enjoying a breakout campaign last season and should again challenge the 70-point plateau. Anders Bjork, for his part, AJ, is a fifth-round pick in 2014 who spent three seasons at Notre Dame and has had an excellent training camp with the Bees. DeBrusque is another recent high draft who hopes to make the jump from a successful year with AHL Providence. And Corrali is a third prospect, in fact, who hopes to do the same. So an infusion of youth is coming into the Boston situation. They're well into a, a retooling, I'll say, not a complete rebuild. So that's the good news. There's new blood in the ups and the upside, although... Uh, this is an aging core still, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, the youth movement that you highlighted has definitely given the Bruins the ability to put a guy like David Backus, who can still be a 20-goal scorer. Uh, I know he only registered 17 tallies last year, but they've got him on the third line. Uh, and then he'll be centered by Ryan Spooner, who I think is an underrated talent. Uh, 39 points last year, including 18 on the power play. So that's a really good depth third line. Uh, that, as you mentioned, the, the youth movement of, of Bork and DeBrusque, specifically Pasternak as well, has really let them uh, kind of uh, spread the scoring out a little bit. You know, Marshawn and Bergeron remain elite-level talents. And while I do like what Bjork can offer, uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Pasternak get a shot on that top line as well. Uh, could be a little bit of a flip there down the road. Defensively, you've got some old names and some new names. Uh, Zdeno Chara and Brandon Carlo make up that top pairing. Then you've got Kevin Miller and Adam McQuaid. And finally, Paul Postma and Charlie McAvoy. I think given the offensive firepower the Bruins have assembled in their forward group, it might be enough to overcome the lack of any real scoring touch on the blue line. Uh, Brandon Carlo is effectively a Zdeno Chara clone. He's a towering 6'5", albeit four inches shorter than Chara. Um, But he's going to punish forwards trying to get to the front of the net. Uh, speaking of the Czech giant, I think he's lost a step in my opinion, and that's reflected in his production drop-off. He had 29 points last year compared to 37 the year before. Miller, McQuaid, and Postma are all 15-point players at best. I think the biggest question is whether McAvoy can live up to expectations coming out of Boston University. Uh, so that's how I see their defense shaking out. Uh, Paul, what are your thoughts on this blue line? It's going to really help them if they can squeeze one more quality season out of their towering captain, A.J. You mentioned he's now 40 years old, Chara is. They don't need him to deliver 
the primary offensive catalyst type numbers because Tory Krug has taken on that first play, uh, first uh, power play quarterback role over the last couple of years, in fact, and he'll be looking to top the 50-point mark again. So they really got a guy who can do the score, handle the scoring, but they love to have a second or third option. You mentioned uh, DiCarlo, is, uh, Brandon Carlo is a, is kind of a Chara mini Chara, I guess. <laughs> and, and they got former Boston College standout Charlie McAvoy, who actually got a taste of the, the, the NHL last season in the last week of the year and in the playoffs. He didn't look out of place in his first go-around, but you wonder how a, a full season will, uh, will uh, translate for him in terms of the numbers that he puts up. Postma, for his part, has brought in, been brought in from Winnipeg to battle for regular playing time. This guy's no more than a third line pairing defenseman but he's proven to be a serviceable nhl type and they needed to find somebody else to fill out that that six pack and uh, let's look at the goaltenders behind uh, this group uh, of course tuka rask is still the clear number one taking on one of the heaviest workloads in the league once again he's now 30 years old aj and i think he may be seeing a, a spike in shots allowed by his mates so this is not uh, your father's uh, boston bruins who limit uh, uh, opponents to like 20 shots a game this this team will give up more shots on goal there's a lot of depth uh, that will be challenging for the backup role here though uh, Anton Kudobin the veteran of this support group was hurt parts of last season and I think Subban a highly rated uh, youngster who got a bit of exposure and uh, certainly had a fine year in the AHL maybe poised to make up make the grade at some point this year so I wonder if we'll see three or four maybe even Zane McIntyre gets a look again but uh, for now Kudobin is the guy out of the shoot that's going to back up uh, back up a Rask to start the season in my opinion do you agree with that assessment? Uh, I, I do agree that Q Dobin is going to be the, the backup. I, uh, unlike you, do have some concerns about Subban's ability uh, to be a full-time netminder in the future. Uh, he went 11-14-4 with AHL Providence last year and has gotten completely rocked in his only two NHL appearances. Um, I still keep Zane McIntyre ahead of him, uh, but I think it's a moot point this year uh, as Q Dobin will be the number two behind Rask. You know, and you mentioned, uh, you know, Tuca is pretty much a near lock for 30 plus wins. Uh, that's something he's done for four straight seasons and should be able to do once again. Well, I'm counting on Subban to carry the flag along with his, his brother PK and make the grade. So that's a dollar bet, AJ, right off the top. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a look at our second team in this outlook of the Atlantic Division, the Buffalo Sabres, who finished last in this group with a 78-point campaign last season. This is a club that's in rebuild mode like the Wings are, and uh, they've accumulated a number of impressive parts up front, which will help them line up as follows. They've got Benoit Pouliot, Ryan O'Reilly, and Kyle Pose on the top line. Evander Kane, Jack Eichel, and Seth Griffith makes the grade, it looks like, as a top six forward. He's had a great camp for them. Gergensen's Reinhardt and Pommenville will round out the third line. Now, AJ, I look at this as a very impressive one-two punch at center with a couple of excellent talents, Eichel and O'Reilly, who happens to be one of the best face-off men in the league. They're, they're both in their prime years, 25, 26 years old. Uh, tops for 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 Riley and uh, Eichel comes in a little bit younger than that I find it odd that Pouliot though is cast as a top six winger here but this guy has to score to be useful because he's certainly not trusted in a defensive or physical role and they needed to find somebody who could complement the top two guys on that line Ocpozo and Kane are both big wingers who should score between 20 and 30 goals they're they're the kind of power forward guys that i really like they're big bodies that can score and park themselves in front of the net and hard to move out i love those kinds of players as you know the big surprise in their camp though has been seth griffith a smaller guy 
who's shown flashes flashes of scoring ability in other NHL stops on a short-term basis. Let's see if he can translate that in, into a full season in Buffalo. He's certainly getting a great, great opportunity to play with a couple of young stars in Eichel and Kane, the way it translates right now. And if that, they falter, uh, Reinhardt and Gergesons are two more young guys who should be ready to make the next step and contribute more. Uh, rounding out the squad uh, up front, the way I see it, is Pominville, who returns to the Queen City, where he had a, a great run earlier on his, in his career. It's going to be a popular move in the, in the dressing room and with this fan base, I do believe. I actually really like the addition of Pouliot. Uh, I think with the influx of talent He's in Edmonton. He's a Edmund- stiff. i i think he was a little miscast uh with the influx of talent in edmonton his average ice time dropped by uh two minutes per game and that was reflected in his offensive production as he saw his 30 point uh season streak come to an end i think he can get back to being an offensive talent especially paired up with ROR and Oposo. Uh, And then one player I think could factor into this third line is Alexander Nylander, who's currently dealing with a lower body injury. He's racked up points in both the OHL and the AHL, and I really think he could potentially bump uh, Jason Pominville down into a fourth-line role. So look for him uh, to maybe make an impact once he gets healthy. Defensively, uh, you've got Marco Scandella with Rasmus Ristolainen, Nathan Boylo with Zach Bogosian and Josh Georges with uh, Victor Antipin. And much like Pouliot, who's coming off a down year, I think Scandella, he failed to reach the 20-point mark last year and is hoping a change to Buffalo will help him bounce back. Uh, Adding Boylo, another offensively-minded player, gives them some serious talent on this blue line. I think you add in Jake McCabe when he recovers from a shoulder ailment, and you've got a dangerous top-four decor uh, that's going to fly under the radar. So fantasy owners out there might be worth, uh, you know, checking your waiver wire to see if any of these guys are available. Um, and at least at the onset, they're going to be under ra- under the radar. Uh, they might, uh, you know, make some waves early on. So if you can get them now, it might be the time to do so. Stash possibilities. I like it. AJ, <laughs> this group to me has a very different look than uh, they showed at the end of last season, but they still fall in line behind Ristolainen, who at only 22 years of age already ranks among those few defensemen who are will generate at least 50 points per year for the next several years. So he's a great dynasty keeper, in my opinion. A clear number one defenseman and power play D-man here. Scandella is a quality veteran who enjoyed success in the sound Minnesota scheme though not a prolific scoring type. He's going to be a pretty good foil for Ristolainen. And what we're seeing more and more these days is the top-end offensive guy is kind of insulated by a guy who's good at both ends of the ice, and bonuses, Scandella can, can really fire it as well here. Uh, he, he's uh, a good foil, like I say. Boilo moves over here from Montreal, and he's going to be the puck mover and point producer on the second pairing with shutdown guy Bogosian working with him. KHL import Antipin will get his feet wet in the third pair and could move up if he figures things out fast enough. This is a guy they have high hopes for because he's an experienced hand coming over from the uh, other side of the pond. Gorgeous is a defense-first guy who will insulate him at least at the start of the season. So I really like the way they've constructed this defensive complement. And uh, in behind them in net, they have uh, the tandem of Robin Leonard and Chad Johnson. Leonard has been a bit difficult to gauge, in my opinion. Uh, while he's shown to be capable of handling a heavy workload, he's lost his cool and his focus from time to time. 
And you don't like to see that from a goalie, uh, particularly a guy that you're thinking is going to start as many as 55 to 60 games. Johnson is another guy like Pominville in his second tour of duty in Buffalo, and that's a good thing. He knows the drill there, and he knows his role, uh, which is to be a good soldier in the backup situation. He won't cause any uh, Leonard any further stress and may, in fact, help to calm him down a little bit, and that's a necessary part of this equation, I think. Well, podcast listeners know I'm not high on Robin Lerner. Uh, I expect a 500 season out of him at best. Uh, I do think that could open the door for Chad Johnson to get uh, into some games with Lerner, maybe closer to 50 starts uh, compared to the 59 he logged last season. I'm not expecting it'll be an even split. Uh, The Buffalo Brass has shown their commitment to Lerner. Um, They obviously think significantly higher of him than I do. Um, But Johnson, I think, will steal a couple starts here and there. So, like I said, look for Lerner to be to be down a little. Nothing outrageous, but closer to 50 than to 60. Our third team this week is the Detroit Red Wings, who finished seventh with 79 points to snap a 25 year streak of missing the postseason. Uh, That's incredible. It really seems strange to see such a season play out uh, there, and it could easily repeat again because the frontline talent base is quite young and relatively inexperienced, while a few grizzled veterans are at or near the end of the line. The biggest star for Detroit this season may, in fact, be their new home, Little Caesars Arena. Uh, here's how the forwards lines stack up, AJ. Uh, Tatar, they got Tatar, Zetterberg, and Nyquist penciled in for a top line. Abdul Kader, Larkin, and Mantha on the second unit. Helm, Nielsen, and Firk on the third line. And uh, the wild card here is they've got Athanasio in a contract impasse, and he hasn't yet to solve that and appear certainly in the free age in the exhibition series. So you wonder how that's going to play out. We couldn't ask. Uh, Jimmy about that because it's a sensitive topic and uh, he's not going to negotiate uh, on our show Uh, they uh, GMs and and senior management types never do that so there was no point going there but it's going to be interesting to see how that watch watch that play out but I thought it was great of Jimmy to shed some light on the Zetterberg situation because everywhere I looked it seemed like he had made a commitment to uh, to uh, retire at the end of the season or certainly go back home at the end of this year making this his final campaign and the contract situation again that we see on in various sources online uh, indicated that he had two years left but it, in fact it's four like jimmy said and so uh, i thank him for clarifying that situation we kind of got a scoop there out of him yeah i think it's interesting uh what he said about zetterberg you know there's some uh maybe translation issues going on you know with the report coming uh from his his home country versus you know what he said here but good to know especially for wings fans out there that he's going to be uh you know committed to to finishing out the contract as long as his health uh you know keeps him in in the fight and uh, beyond him of course Zetterberg last year 68 point season and that was 20 points higher than any teammate last year so that tells you in spades what the problem is here uh, at least if they repeat what they did last year Nyquist was second in line but really regressed last season uh, to 48 points Tatar is a guy who should threaten the 50 point mark as as well and we mentioned Athanasius Athanasius contract struggles they got to be resolved too they got to have all hands on deck here Ma- he Manta and Larkin in fact are the trio that I see as the offensive leaders of the future, along with Nyquist. So that's a four-pack that they can still build a pretty sound offense around. And uh, Ferk is the next Euro grad from that Grand Rapids machine, and he could be really good too, uh, AJ. Nielsen, for my part, uh, was signed to a horrific contract 
$5.25 million over five more years. Jimmy denies any involvement there, I, I should tell you, but uh, that's kind of an interesting situation. They have about three other bad deals in this roster, and that's going to be a long-term problem, I think, and really integral to why they're going to struggle to make the play- playoffs, in my opinion. What do you think here? Well, it's those bad contracts that have you know caused them this inability to get AA under contract, which I think is going to be a big blow to this team. Uh, with Josh Anderson signing yesterday, the 23-year-old remains the lone restricted free agent uh, holdout. What I suggested some time ago is that the Wings need to get rid of Peter Murazik and give that $4 million to Athanasiu. Uh, at this point, I think he might actually follow through on his threat to play in the KHL. Uh, as far as players who are under contract, I think if Abdulkader can stay healthy, which is by no means a guarantee, uh, I think he can get back to being a 20-goal scorer. Uh, which should ease the burden on Zetterberg a little bit. Yeah, defensively, it's going to look like Danny DeKaiser and Trevor Daly on that top pairing. You've got Nicholas Cronwall, if he's healthy, with Jonathan Erickson, and then Xavier Ouellette with Mike Green rounding it out. Uh, As I mentioned, Cronwall's long-term health is a serious concern here, as it seems like he's perpetually dealing with some kind of ailment. Uh, He was limited to 64 games last year. I'd be surprised if he saw action in more than 70 this season. I think the addition of Trevor Daly comes with some question marks. Are they getting Pittsburgh Trevor Daly or Chicago Trevor Daly? I think a lot will depend on how they plan to utilize him, but it's a question that needs to be answered uh, and hopefully sooner rather than later for the Red Wings. Uh, Paul, do you have any answers to that Trevor Daly question? Well, it's basically more of the bad contract scenarios are found here on the defense. Uh, we'll begin with DeKaiser. This is a guy who produced only 12 points and was a minus 22 last year. Look at the numbers. He signed for five more seasons at $5 million a year. Erickson, uh, it was a great story. He was the last pick in the draft during his draft year. He's now 33 years old. He's had a fine run in Detroit, but I think it's over. He's produced only nine points in 51 games last year and will earn $4.25 million in each of the next three seasons. Cronwell, for his part, another great soldier who was there during some of the glory years in Detroit, has two more years on uh, at 4.75 per as another diminished asset. They uh, Then they go ahead and add daily. 33-year-old guy for a $3 million plus cap hit in each of the next three years. That's another curious move here, uh, AJ. I'll say that uh, out loud. Green, Mike Green, for his part, though, still looks like a decent power play quarterback, uh, tallying 14 goals and 22 helpers last year, but offset that offense with an ugly minus 22 rating. Uh, the uh, only young guy in this group is Maxime Willette. Uh, he, he'll be part of the next wave here, and he has plenty of uh, oldsters to learn the ropes from, so he might be the big beneficiary in terms of uh, keeping his mouth shut and his ears open to listen what, to what these veterans can teach him and maybe uh, really be a, a stalwart for many years to come on that blue line. Uh, it, they're going to be playing in front of the, a trio of goalies. Maybe one of those goalies might even leave today later in the waiver wire draft. Uh, Jimmy Howard looks to be the number one again, hoping to stay healthy. He had a run of terrible injuries last year, but he he is the, has the inside track reporting to camp in great shape after finishing the season strong. He put himself back in the race and, and really at the front of the race in this trio of goalies. And he's done nothing in, in camp to, to take anything away from that. So I look for him to, to be their starting goalie opening night. Mrazic's temperament has cost him uh, because the management team has lost a little bit of faith in him there. And Koro is a good-looking prospect who they might not be able to retain because of the contract commitments to the other guys that they have to protect here. 
So, uh, so it'll be interesting to see if he remains a Red Wing even at the end of this day. Yeah, as I mentioned off the top, I think what they need most is the cap space of getting rid of Peter Mrazek. Uh, I know he was supposed to be the future of the franchise, but Howard has shown he still has some left in the tank. I mean, they're paying Mrazek $4 million a year uh, to be the backup. And I think with how well Howard's been performing, he should be able to bridge the gap until Corio is ready to step in, uh, which, in my opinion, makes Mrazek expendable and overpriced. Well, there's uh, we, so we're kind of in sync there on uh, the Detroit situation, and uh, we'll take it over to the next team in line. That's the Florida Panthers, uh, who missed the playoffs. That We've gone through a string of teams here that missed the playoffs. The good ones are coming up at the end uh, of our show, uh, including my favorite club. But the Florida <laughs> Panthers missed the playoffs after finishing sixth in this division with 81 points after a turbulent season in their front office that really cause things to go off the rails here but the good news is Dale Talon has retained GM duties and that should go a long way towards stabilizing things because this is a guy who has built teams before and he was well on his way to building a great squad here in Florida before things went off the off the rails last year as I said but uh, he's a guy that was instrumental in getting a number of these guys in the fold and the forward lines look like this they've got Huberto and Barkoff they'll be joined by another KHL import in Dadanoff McGinn, Trocek, and Verbata look like a second unit, and McCann, Bugstead, and Malgin will form a third unit. Look at JJ, I'm a big fan of size and skill. There's a few guys that fit the bill here, particularly Barkov and Huberdo, and to a lesser extent, Bugstead. All three of these guys are big guys with loads of skill. Those uh, first liners, in fact, should be aiming for the 70-point mark, in my opinion. As I mentioned, uh, KHLer Dadanoff is a veteran who has a great offensive talent though a little smaller than the other two guys. He's built more like Trocek, so that's the size-wise what you can expect. And I pencil Trocek and Dadanoff in for like 50-point seasons. Verbata has to be the most nomadic of current NHLers, is still a reputable scorer, but boy, he's had difficulty keeping a home address for a long time, hasn't he? He's a uh, top six uh, lock here in this uh, situation because things get a little thin uh, in terms of the depth here. McGinn was recently acquired from Arizona in exchange for Der- Jason Demare and will be tasked with filling out that second line role as a left winger. He's a placeholder, though. This guy won't score enough and should expect challenges from the, for that slot. Scoring depth here is expected to be an issue uh, based on the quality of some of these guys uh, that uh, are forced to make it into the top nine well hopefully for panthers fans out there last year is a distant memory both in terms of injuries as well as their top players struggling to produce even when they were healthy uh dadnov's previous stint with florida was kind of a flop he had just 20 points in 55 outings uh, but he racked up over a point per game last year in the khl seems to have matured his game Uh, Vibrata might be getting up there in age, as you mentioned, but despite playing for one of the worst teams in the league last year, he exploded for 55 points and missed just one game playing in in 81 contests. So uh, expectations, I think, are high this group. I agree with your assessment, though, that outside of the top six, uh, it really starts to drop off, maybe with the exception of Nick Bugstad. Defensively, uh, you've got Keith Yandel and Aaron Ekblad as your top pairing. Alex Petrovich and Mike Matheson as the second one, and then Mark Syke and Ian McCaution as the final pair. In trying to describe this group, I landed on the word fine. Uh, Yandel and Ekblad can chip in offensively, but they aren't going to blow the doors off, uh, and this rest of the group is more defensively focused and will have 
to do their job of limiting the number of shots the netminders are facing. Uh, I'm not certain that they'll be able to do so. Uh, it's a somewhat unheralded group, but I don't have a, a ton of significant knocks on them as well, which is like why I said I landed just on the word fine. Uh, they're not they're not exciting. There's not a, a ton uh, going here. They don't have, in my opinion, an elite level uh, defenseman, but they also don't have a ton of like woeful concerns in, in my opinion so kind of just a middle of the road group paul i wonder if you see it the same well kind of i think they thought they had an elite defenseman in aaron neckblad and you got to wonder if maybe last year was a blip on that radar yandel for his part has been a big time point producer in the past too so i'm looking for those guys to handle most of the offensive uh, responsibilities here and they've proven to be very capable of scoring d-men in the past it's just what are we going to get this year going forward you know they're going to both be required to eat up a ton of minutes here Ekblad certainly needs to rebound from that terrible season. His career veered dramatically from a pretty solid trajectory before that. He needs to rediscover that form to really cause the rest of these pieces to fall in line. The rest of these guys here have decent size and are primarily defensively focused and offensively challenged, as you implied. Hardly an imposing group, which might be best served by splitting up that top pairing. Certainly something that I would like to see and give them a little bit more balance if we can see them do kind of what Nashville did with with uh, Yosi and Subban there. That might be the best thing that they could do. In terms of the net minding and goal, they have what I will describe as the most likable tandem with the entertaining Twitter feed of Roberto Luongo and the aw shucks good nature of James Reimer, who I got to know a little bit, uh, and his wife as well, because she sat right behind me in, in Toronto for four years while he toiled it with the Maple Leafs. Uh, I wonder how much Bobby Lou has left at the age of 38 years, and Reimer seems like he can't shake a history of giving up that questionable goal at the worst of times. This is a pair that will likely split games all year long, with the coaches likely to stick with hot hands for much of the season. So they'll go with the guy until he loses, and then they'll switch back and forth. Uh, And I think that's the way it's going to play out. Pretty even split between these goalies, AJ. Yeah, I would agree. I think it's one of the more uh, stable tandems in the league. You know, both guys uh, seem to, to get along well and, and are kind of cemented in their roles. As you mentioned, I think Luongo's age is is going to factor into the workload and why we'll potentially see a 50-50 split. Um, I do think Roberto is capable of being a 55-game player, uh, with Reimer certainly as a serviceable bow backup. But I, I agree, Paul. I think that's a good assessment. Look for for a pretty even split here. And uh, it's time to uh, take a look at the the, uh, FanDuel's sponsorship of our show. They've given us great uh, support for years in these podcasts, and I want to give them uh, some time today, too, talking about the fact that we we talk football on uh, Rotowire podcasts on a daily basis going forward. Now the baseball season is done. At FanDuel, fantasy football is there for everyday fans. There's new contests starting every week. There's no busted seasons. There's something for everyone, in fact. Lots of contests to choose from starting at just one dollar just pick a contest choose your team and watch your score in real time now aj we uh we got to week five week five coming up with our favorite clubs going head to head the packers and cowboys are set to square off so that's something you and i are always going to squawk about but uh, (laughs) let's talk about what happened in week four heading into last night's game casey was the only unbeaten team as the week four wound down and they in fact held on over the redskins with a weird finish that People that bet on that must have been up in arms on both sides of that equation with that last play <laughs> making all the difference in what was a seven-point spread. And uh, Kansas City did cover but with, with a weird ending on that, in that one. But uh, I don't see any dominant teams, including KC, so far this year. But those four O and four clubs are 
Indeed awful, AJ. I feel sorry for the fans of the Giants, Niners, and Browns, and Chargers. Uh, there's no hope there. Uh, what's your take on the first quarter season? What I think uh, I found most striking is the Bills sitting atop the AFC East, and that's while beating two top teams in Atlanta and Denver. It's not like they've been uh, you know, beaten up on the, the bottom teams of the league. Uh, how they hold up when they have to start playing the Patriots is obviously going to be the true test of that team. And I, I do think Alex Smith has really stepped up to take control of the starter job uh, when he could have easily slipped uh, in the face of the organization drafting Patrick Mahomes. Uh, he's you know risen to the occasion. And, and both those teams, I think, are going to be in contention for the AFC uh, the title. Wow, good early hot take from AJ on that one. Uh, listen, uh, over two and a half million players have won a cash prize playing on FanDuel, so it really behooves you to get involved. To take advantage of our special offer for new users, sign up today at fanduel.com slash RW. You'll get a free six-month RotoWire subscription plus a free entry into the NFL Sunday Million, which offers more than $1 million in cash prizes with your first deposit on FanDuel. Just visit fanduel.com slash RW. Of course, these contests are also void where prohibited. Don't forget to check out our daily pods for Monday to Friday, where we'll cover all four major sports all year round. But right now, the focus will be on football the rest of the season there. So tune that in. You'll get great insight into to players not to play and players to pick with detailed analysis of all the matchups from our crack staff at the head office. Back to our uh, Atlantic Division preview we go. It's uh, time to talk about the Montreal Canadiens who finished with 103 points and were unfortunately paired with an equally strong New York Rangers club that finished fourth in the competitive Metro Division for their first round playoff crossover. The blue shirts uh, disposed of the Habs in six games. That was something that uh, once you look at the, the way these teams match up, you could almost see coming. And it was really unfortunate after a ter- terrific regular season by the Canadians. But uh, their forward complement is what got them there along with their star goalie. It's going to look a little bit different this season uh, with a couple of tweaks. Max Pacioretty and uh, Brendan Gallagher will have Jonathan Drouin in between them on the first line. Alex Galchenyuk, Deneau, and Shaw will make up the second unit. Houdon, Plekanitz, and Lekkanen on the third line. And they have some depth options who may move up and down in Byron, Mitchell, and Hemsky. So they've got lots lots to choose from. I'm not sure about the the quality there, but we'll get into that in a sec. Certainly, Drouin is clearly expected to fill that precious role of star French-Canadian player that is so important to the local fan, fan base and media here. It's like no other place in the league, AJ. I'll be curious to see how he handles that pressure, but we'll wait for others to draft him in my season-long leagues. I don't have a lot of faith. This guy has yet to prove himself as even a something close to a point-of-game player, in my opinion, at the NHL level, and he comes with a little bit of baggage. Meanwhile, you know that you're gonna, what you're going to get from Pacioretty and Gallagher. Uh, Patches is a guy you can... Uh, put in there for 35 goals it seems every year and Gallagher is another one of the super pests around the league he's had a little trouble with the hand injuries the last two seasons though and it's really cost him but when healthy he's a real good power play specialist Galchenyuk is another player who is a cause for concern in my opinion here though and more is expected of this guy he they they used a top draft pick on him and he's come under fire ever since he joined the Habs and particularly again in, in this training camp he's he's uh, received some bad press so uh, he needs to straighten up and fly right here for the Habs to succeed. Shaw and Deneau are more suited to third line roles than second line roles in my opinion here. 
as Hudon and Lekkonen gain more experience, in fact, they may swap roles with those current second liners. The Hemsky signing, though, is even more, even a, more of a head-scratcher for me. Even though it was inexpensive, it tells you how desperate they are for more scoring here. Not to heap more pressure on him, but I think this forward group uh, will be tied to Jonathan Druin. If he struggles, they all struggle. Uh, he wanted an expanded role in Tampa, and now he's getting it in Montreal. Uh, so far, he has excelled. Uh, he notched 23 goals and 31 assists last year, with 19 of those points coming on the man advantage. Uh, but he is, as you highlighted, Paul, just one season in. Uh, and he's going to get that top-line assignment that he so eagerly wanted. Whether he can succeed in that role remains to be seen. Uh, Placanic's production dovetailed in 2016-17, and I think that's reflected in his new role as a third-line center. Uh, his minutes are down. His role in the power play has been all but eliminated. And both of those factors, uh, fantasy owners are going to want to take into account heading into this season. Uh, defensively, you've got uh, Victor Met with Shea Weber, Carl Alsner with Jeff Petrie, and Jordy Ben with uh, Mark Streit. And you do have David Schlemko, who will factor in, probably bumping Streit uh, from the lineup once he's ready to go. I think Weber fared well in his first season in Montreal, 17 goals and 25 helpers. Uh, and he's been paired up with the youngster, Victor Met, who earned his way onto this 23-man roster and will make the jump to the NHL straight out of juniors. It's not something we see uh, very often. How he holds up against the top talent in the world uh, will be an intriguing question to watch all year. But for fantasy owners out there, if you can snag him off the waiver wire, uh, you might want to do so sooner rather than later. And then, as I mentioned, Alsner comes over from Washington, and he's played every regular season game since 2010 and should provide some stability on the de- in the defensive zone. Uh, he's not going to you know, put up uh, a ton of offensive production, but that kind of stability is always a benefit to any team. Weber is a perennial Norris candidate, AJ, as you noted, but he must look around and notice that it doesn't have a Roman Yossi-type uh, partner on this roster. Uh, throughout camp, he's been nurturing a small but skilled 19-year-old that you mentioned, Victor Mete out of London Knights. Uh, Jeff Petrie, for his part, is a veteran who can project as a 30-point guy at best. Uh, they brought back the ancient Mark Streit, uh, and he has some offensive upside, but he hasn't been able to stay healthy in any lineup for a number of years. Beyond these guys, there are a number of defensemen, defense, defensive defensemen like you covered in Alsner and Ben. They won't contribute much in terms of offense, but they'll be asked to insulate uh, the defensive uh, part of the game in front of these goalies. Of course, they've got Carey Price and, and Al Montoya there. Uh, Price is still a lock to be in the Vezina discussion, in my opinion, after hitting up the team for the highest average salary in their history with a $10 million, $10.5 million annual cap hit for the next eight years. This is a guy that's all of a sudden 30 years old. It's hard to think about price in those terms. That's a head-scratcher for me when you think about the length of the contract. They might rue that by the end of it. But for the time being, they're, they're going to get great value for one of the best in, in the history of the game already. As usual, though, this, and as usual, this, this team's prognosis will be that they'll go as far as he takes them. He's the, their clear team MVP. There's no question about that at all. Nobody's going to argue that point. Montoya, though, has proven to be very solid in relief and should expect no more than 20 starts, but he's a guy that, that knows his role here, and it's really comfortable for, for Price to have that relationship with, with the backup goalie. Uh, why don't you comment on this, this pairing? Well, you'll get no disagreements uh, from me, Paul, with your assessment there. Uh, we, As you mentioned, it'll be tied to Carey Price. We saw what happened to this team when they didn't have him. 
Uh, and I would expect it to be much the same if he's sidelined for a significant stretch. Montoya works well as a backup, but he's not an every night-to-night starter. Uh, it's price or bust for this squad. Up next, AJ, we look at the Ottawa Senators, who were the surprise second-place finishers with 98 points last season before they went on to win their first two playoff rounds and enjoy a great playoff run that ended with a seventh-game OT loss that must have had you sitting on the edge of your, your seat <laughs> when they uh, finally succumbed to the Pittsburgh Penguins in that dramatic final uh, final uh, extra stanza. Their forward complement is a veteran group, and it'll look very familiar. Hoffman, Tourist, and Smith on the first line. Stone, Pajot, and Ryan on the second unit. Zingle, Logan, Brown, and Burroughs on a third unit. And the, the kicker here is that Brassard is a guy who's uh, been nursing a shoulder injury throughout training camp. He'll miss at least another one or two weeks, and he might bump Brown and maybe move up in Pajot's place once things really settle in. So it'll be an opportunity for the rookie to get his feet wet in a third-line role, but uh, I expect he'll, he'll be moved back into the juniors when that 10-game that, uh, mark comes around, and if not before, when Brassard gets healthy. This is a deep offense for me, AJ, but one that still leaves me wanting because I see no fewer than four guys who should reach the 60-point plateau, but there's none of them who are a threat to be even close to that 80-point campaign. When I look at, consider the, the career trajectories of Torres, Hoffman, and Stoner Ryan, they project as guys that write 60 points at best for me. Ryan, in fact, seems to have regressed to a 20-goal ceiling at this stage in his career when he used to be a lock for 30. Uh, he's going to struggle to get to the 20 mark, in my opinion, this year, not getting as many primetime minutes as he was used to getting. Of course, Broussard will be a factor, and his, the quality of his recovery will be instrumental, indicative of how, how far this team can go. If he's not back and healthy, it's a bit of a step down to anybody else in the middle of the ice here. Uh, Pajot and Zingle are skilled enough to battle for top six time, in my opinion, and uh, certainly if you want a stash candidate, Logan Brown is a guy, that guy, a rangy rookie who could earn an early look, but uh, I st- consider him very much a stash, a longer-term hold in your dynasty leagues. He'll pay off down the line. I agree that the lack of an 80-point player is is a question mark for a lot of teams, but with the amount of depth that they have, uh, it's really not a concern for me. That top line of Hoffman, Terrace, and Smith can compete with the elite-level lines around the league, and then you have that third line of, of Zingo, Brown, and Burroughs, or Zingo, Brassard, and Burroughs later down the road. I think it's going to be hard to compete against as each of these guys could put up 30 points, uh, and that's just depth that's hard to match up against. Defensively right now, you're looking at Frederick Clayson and Dion Phaneuf, Johnny Oduyo and Cody Cece, and then Mark Burrowicki and Chris Weidman. And that's with uh, Eric Carlson day-to-day with a foot injury. I think without Carlson, there isn't much uh, that stands out from this defensive group, especially for fantasy owners. Phaneuf has some upside, but he's by no means a replacement for one of the top three blue liners in the league. Uh, And I think this injury also serves to stretch their depth. uh, And that's something that I think they're lacking. For all the depth they have in their forward group, I feel like they're really lacking it defensively. So they're going to need Eric Carlson back as quick as they can get him. You know what? Uh, This team's MVP and likely leading scorer, Carlson, has missed camp with that off-season injury from a... uh, off-season recovery, rather, from a serious leg injury. He should be ready to go soon, but may miss that first week or two of the season. Any prolonged absence from him will put a load of pressure on 
Phaneuf and Clayson because, as you mentioned, they're probably the only guys who have any kind of an offensive upside. Oduya, at 35 years of age, was signed in for a year at $1 million. That should tell you that they're concerned about the depth on this blue line because they're hoping he's locking down. He's going to lock down that second pairing situation. He's, in fact, only topped the 20-point mark three times in a long career, so not much scoring expected from him. CC has not reached offensive totals expected of him and now projecting that 20 into 30-point range as well. Uh, Borowicki and Weidman will not have any fantasy value at all. They're placeholders on that third unit, so they could use some depth uh, at the bottom end of that six-pack, in my opinion, but uh, they'll go again as far as Carlson will take them with his good health, we hope, this year. In goal, they have an interesting tandem for me. They have uh, Craig Anderson and Mike Condon. This is a strong tandem, AJ, particularly if you believe, as the Senators' management does, that a 36-year-old Craig Anderson is worth the recent two-year $9.5 million extension he signed last week. He only appeared in 40 regular season games last season because he was given time to tend to his ailing wife, who thankfully is doing much better now. Still, Anderson had a fabulous playoff and is backed by Condon this season. So the outlook is bright as long as they both can stay healthy. Uh, Condon, uh, in fact, has proven to be a very good fill-in almost an excellent one in the last couple of seasons where he's had a couple of extended runs and he uh, parlayed that into a a multi-year deal where he's getting 2.4 million dollars in each of the next three seasons but you wonder if he's going to want to stick around in Ottawa to be there uh, the heir apparent if and when Anderson does hang him up that that decision is at least a couple of years away yeah as you mentioned the organization locked both guys up uh, through the 2019-20 season and it's a relatively inexpensive combined salary of about $7.2 million, uh, which is less than New York's paying Henrik Lundqvist alone. Uh, I expect Anderson to get back to playing 50-plus games uh, and should be able to put up 30-plus wins as he did in 2015-16. And uh, as you kind of said, Condon has been a, a really good backup for them. He'll spell uh, Anderson enough that I don't think we'll see Anderson approached that 60 game mark and should be hopefully well rested for another playoff run up next AJ we're looking at the Tampa Lightning a club that dealt with the long injury absence of Steven Stankos and several other distractions last season that have all since been removed owing to the excellent negotiation skills of one GM Steve Eisman really could have asked uh, Jimmy Devilano about this I regret not doing so when I read this name and the fact that those two guys knew each other so well but Eisman deserves all the credit in the world for navigating this club through some complex salary cap issues in the offseason and now that offense looks has a bit of a familiar look with one uh, little tweak in here that could be significant and you probably have an opinion on that as well the forward unit uh, will look something like this they got Andrich Palat, Steven Stankos and Nick Kucherov on the first line, a very potent unit. Nemesnikov, Johnson, and Point on a second line. And Kunitz, the new uh, recruit from Pittsburgh, will be asked to take on a third-line role but could challenge for hire in this roster with Alex Killorn and Ryan Callahan, his projected line mates. Then they've got a trio of guys who will vie for top nine minutes in Ernie, Paquette, and JT Brown. To me, this looks like a very speedy and deep offense, AJ. If healthy after missing most of last season, in fact, Captain Stankos will flirt with the 80-point mark, as will Kucherov. And that's a real luxury because we haven't seen too many teams that can boast two of those point-of-game types in this division so far in our analysis. That makes Palat a target for me, in fact, in season-long play because he has the most playing time with these stars over the next three years, and I've talked at length about my sidekick theory. Don't forget those sidekicks to the stars, folks. 
Johnson is an underrated number two center who has successfully played a lot of number one minutes in recent seasons too. Point was a revelation last year for me when he came up and piled up some points and should be able to pick up where he left off. If, uh, I don't expect him to miss a beat here. And uh, Nemesnikov will be more of a defensive-minded conscience on this, this uh, second unit. Kunitz was brought in to challenge for a scoring role and may move up into that situation if Nemesnikov doesn't deliver. So there's some insurance there. He, he's a pretty solid veteran guy and, and in the right circumstance could really help. But he's not even miscast playing with the likes of Killorn and Callahan. I really like this, this depth here, AJ. I totally agree, Paul. And the nice part about Chris Kunitz is that he's played on those top line pairings before. So if somebody gets hurt or he outperforms somebody, he can slot in pretty much anywhere in the lineup. Uh, He's used to being a role player. He's used to being a scorer. um, So he can really end up anywhere. You mentioned Steven Stamkos. Health is going to be the key. Another guy that needs to stay healthy for them is Ryan Callahan. You know, just a couple of years ago in 2014-15, he put up 24 goals and 30 assists. Um, but last year, the last two years have been a little bit of a drop-off, just 28 in 15-16, and he only saw action in 18 games last year. So I think Ryan Callahan's health is another key uh, piece to this puzzle. Defensively, uh, I think there's some question marks about who's going to end up where. Uh, you've got Victor Hedman and Anton Strahlman. Braden Colburn and Dan Girardi and right now Slater Cuckoo and Andre Suster um, but Jake Dotchin could factor in Mikhail Sarachev could factor in so uh, there's a handful of guys that could all factor in here I think obviously the key is going to be Victor Hedman here uh, you know he's one of those top three uh, elite talents nearly a point per game last season with 72 points and 79 outings uh, and he could definitely factor and challenge uh, Burns and uh, Carlson for that top spot. I think Dachin is a player that I really like. Um, his offensive upside is a little more limited, but I think he could expand on his role. He did have 11 assists in 35 games last year. Um, so look for him to maybe take on a bigger role and bump maybe a Slater Cuckoo out of the lineup. I don't love the signing of Dan Girardi, mostly because of the cost. Uh, two years, $6 million. Uh, I think that's a little high to to pay the 33 year old but but otherwise if they were paying him slightly less uh, it's a decent signing so that's kind of my breakdown of it uh do you think either of those two young guys that i mentioned are going to factor in this season paul well i think they're going to give sergey a look in the uh, first part of the season maybe the 10 game tryout thing but uh, this is a long-term hold this guy's going to be a star player, AJ. I don't think there's any question about that. But apart from him, I really like the depth here. Uh, it's another area that's a big plus for me. Uh, of course, you mentioned Hedman making it to the big three in the NHL defenseman with Carlson and Burns, the only guys to top 70 points last season. His longtime partner, Strahlman, has, has partnered with him for, for at least the last three years, and if memory serves. But he's regressed a little bit and may only be a 25 to 35-point player and really concerned with the defensive side of the puck while his uh, well-known partner is uh, up the ice uh, tending to the offense. Coburn and Girardi were signed here this offseason. They figure to be an excellent shutdown. Uh, who was uh, Girardi was the the only signing of the pairing let's make that clear Coburn's been around for a while they figure to be an excellent shutdown pairing here Sergachev is a prospect that they targeted when they traded Drouin to a division rival that should tell you all you need to know about what they expect from him down the line to be willing to trade within their division that kid's going to crack this lineup sooner or later but uh and should it 
be targeted for the top pairing at some point. Great long-term keeper, but beyond him, the guys like Cuckoo, Suster, and Dotson, there's not much scoring punch there, and uh, you can't expect much offense from Coburn and Girardi. So interesting mix of offense and defense there, but overall I like it, and mainly because of the big stud uh, headman there. The goalie tandem uh, features a new look with uh, Vasilevsky and Budai handling the roles. Vasilevsky finally got the lion's share of work here, appearing in 50 games AJ last season, posting it, but an ordinary 2.81 goals against average. A lot of people are expecting a uh, big improvement from him, and he'll be tested uh, with as many as 60 starts behind this strong-looking team. Uh, the success of this team will, uh, will be really predicated on how he handles that workload. If you believe, though, in what uh, Boudet did uh, last season, they've got really good insurance in the backup situation. This guy starred for L.A. last season after Jonathan Quick went down early, but... Uh, I think this key is on this team is how good can they be will depend exactly on how Vasilevsky performs. I absolutely agree, Paul. And and your assessment, I think, is dead on. Uh, he saw 50 games last year and definitely will be closer to 60, uh, if not a little bit higher. And that's not a knock on Peter Budai or any indication of his ability as a backup. But so many teams want to go to this workhorse model. Uh, it works for a lot of teams, and, and Tampa Bay is no different. Uh, Budai should be uh, you know, perfectly capable for them uh, to step in so if they want to maybe you know limit uh, Vasilevsky too closer to that 50 mark I don't think it'd be a terrible idea I think he'd keep him well rested uh, but it's not what I'm expecting I, I definitely think he'll push for 60 maybe even 65 uh, starts just as they they put the 23 year old to work it's finally time to look at my favorite team as we now come to the 31st team in this, this analysis. We're going to take a look at the Toronto Maple Leafs who finally returned to postseason play last season, qualifying as the fourth place team in their division and grabbing the second wild card. That earned them the right to take on the President's Trophy winning Capitals in the first round. I thought it was going to be a, uh, a rough series for the Leafs, but they gave the Caps all they could handle in a six-game set that included five overtime results. The story here is the quick turnover and infusion of young talent, particularly among the forward complement, AJ. They've got Zach Hyman, Austin Matthews, and Willie Nylander on that first line, JVR, Bozak, and Marner on a second unit. And they picked up uh, Patrick Marlowe uh, to join Kadri and Komarov on a third scoring line. That's pretty good uh, optics. Three, three lines with nine guys that are capable of putting the puck in the net. They'll be back by three guys in more of a checking role in Martin, Moore, and Connor Brown. So my analysis of this group is as follows. The top line lines certainly have a familiar look. Matthews and Nylander, in fact, have been amazing in preseason so far this year, looking very ready to build on great rookie campaigns. Coach Babcock is committed to having Hyman on this line. He's been asked about this repeatedly because he likes the way that this kid digs out pucks and does a lot of great dirty work for this unit so the other two flashy guys can, can do their thing and dangle and uh, have some fun out there because <laughs> Hyman really creates space for them. Matthews, in fact, may be in line for an 80-point season. Uh, the way things are shaping up. And Nylander should be uh, a lock for at least 25 to 30 goals, in my opinion. And, and Hyman could be an interesting uh, pickup for late in the draft. He, he might receive for as many as 40 points last year. He uh, dealt with a lot of bad puck luck during the course of the season that I saw and is capable of much more, uh, many more crooked numbers than he posted last season. The second unit features the third jewel in this crown, and that's Mitch Marner, who should reach the 70-point campaign. It's not too often when a rookie can drive a line that features two other veterans, but that 
that's what, exactly what he did last year. But uh, that's not a poor reflection on Bozak and JVR. Both of those guys are in final year of uh, cur their current contracts and will be con asked to continue to be key cogs who should combine for as many as 120 points between them. That's 60 each, folks. I think they're still in that range. Uh, though JVR has been regularly named in trade rumors here because the, the Leafs, as everybody knows, would love to certainly bolster their defense, and uh, the JVR and Bozak are certainly expendable in that regard. Nazem Kadri finally lived up to long-held expectations and reached the 30-goal mark last season for the first time. And uh, Connor Brown, I feel sorry for this kid. He got the short straw uh, in this lineup. There's no other 20-goal scorer from last season who will start on any club's fourth line. This kid deserves better, but that speaks to the depth here. And, oh, yeah, they had to make room for him because they added a 500-plus goal scorer in Patrick Marlowe. It's not, uh, not anything but uh, coming up roses so far early for the Leafs, in my opinion. I absolutely agree here as well, Paro. I mean, to have a talented guy like Patrick Marlowe projected to be your third line is, you know, uh, astounding, really. Uh, he's one of the best players in the league. He's coming over from uh, Sharks, uh, an elite caliber team, uh, and he's been consistent. He almost never misses a game. Hopefully I didn't jinx him uh, <laughs> by saying that, but he's always in the lineup and is just a fantastic player. And to have him on the third line and, you know, uh, in the locker room with how many young kids there are on this team, uh, to have a guy like Marlowe that can show them the ropes uh, in the locker room, I think is invaluable as well. As you mentioned, Matthews, Nylander, and Marner are the three, uh, the keys to this club. And they're all going to, I think, produce at, at higher levels than what they did last year, even though their numbers last season were so outstanding. Uh, defensively, there's a lot more question marks uh, yeah. to be answered here. You've got Jake Gardner and Nikita Zaitsev as that top pairing. They brought in Ron Hainsey, and then Morgan Riley will make up the second pairing. And then it gets a little gray uh, going on from there. You could have Martin uh, Marison factoring in, but it could also be Callie Rosen. Uh, Connor Carrick's maybe the only for sure lock in the third pairing, um, but you also have Andreas Borgman who could factor in. And don't forget Roman Polak, who they didn't offer a, a contract yet, but they're going to invite him to stay around the team and maybe get something down the road. So there's just so many question marks here as far as where they go. And I think I agree with your assessment, Paul, uh, trading away uh, uh, forward to get uh, some more help on this blue line might be beneficial. Maybe they want to test out the young talent that they have and, and see what they got. Um, but there's definitely no standout here. And as we talked about with our guest, Jimmy Delaveno, uh, he you know, highlighted the need for a top uh, defenseman if you're going to go deep in the playoffs, and they just don't have it here in Toronto, in my opinion. Yeah, Jake Gardner has emerged as that first-string power play quarterback, and his confidence soared last season. This is a guy I picked on for about ever since he joined the league because I just think he's, he's not uh, focused sometimes on the ice and prone to the big giveaway, but he kept those big giveaways to a minimum and had an outstanding year last year, and it certainly helped that he was partnered with KHL import Zaitsev, who improved steadily throughout his rookie season, and really they found a groove when they were put together in the second half and really played very well. Riley, though, is, for me, this team's best all-around D-man. He sacrificed a little bit of offense uh, last season because he always seems to get the tough opposing assignment against the Caps. He'll see, he'll see uh, nothing but Ovechkin against the, the Penguins. He gets nothing but the Crosby line. So that's the kind of 
put him in a defensive posture, but don't make a mistake the, that this guy can't play on the offensive side of the puck. He's going to get more time on the power play, and I think he's going to easily top the totals that he produced last season. A threat for 40 points, in my opinion, here. Uh, he should also benefit from working with the veteran Hainsey, a guy that you got to look at up close and personal. I liked what I saw out of Hainsey in the playoffs last season. I'm pretty excited about the fact that he's going to protect Riley and allow him some more offensive forays. You mentioned the two Swedish imports, Rosen and Borgman. They both had interesting camps and, and we are going to push Carrick for a role and could show some offensive promise between them. They will not be overexposed early on, so be patient with them. And you mentioned Polak. He's nothing but a bit of a placeholder, uh, a a real good team guy, but more there for his brawn than his scoring ability. So I think he'll be a factor because they don't have a lot of muscle in this lineup. So apart from Martin up front, so I think that there's going to be a spot for for Pollock and leaps in a depth role. Then in goal, they have uh, a tandem that worked out very well last season and Frederick Anderson and Curtis McElhenney. You know, Anderson's first season with the Leafs began with a training camp injury, and I thought, oh, oh here we go. We just spent big money on this guy. He went down, but after a slow start, he managed to play 66 games and was arguably their most important player aside even taking into uh, consideration the three young guns who uh, juiced up this offense in a big way uh, this guy really helped them take big steps and finally get back into the playoffs McElhenney is a very good veteran who knows his role a very good compliment in fact he stepped up when needed to in the late season playoff push and was in goal when they clinched that uh, last game against your Penguins. So uh, I thought I'd throw that in. <laughs> your goalie analysis here, AJ. Well, I, I have to admit I was a little uh, misguided on Freddie Anderson. I was hard on him last year. I didn't expect him to be a 30-win guy, uh, but he stepped up, played 66 games, so a pretty heavy workload. I think what concerns me is, is not an issue with Frederick Anderson, but it's more an issue with the defense. Uh, Freddie Anderson faced... 2,052 shots last season. That's second only to Cam Talbot, and Talbot played in 73 games, which is uh, seven more than Anderson saw. So the number of shots that Freddie Anderson is being uh, faced uh, faced with is astronomical, and that number needs to come down. His save percentage, he maintained a .918, so good numbers there, but obviously when you face that many shots, your goals against average is going to creep up. And that was a 2.67. Definitely got bailed out on a few occasions by the offense, uh, but that's certainly uh, never a bad thing to have to rely on. So I think if they can limit uh, some of the rubber that he's going to face this year, uh, the 28-year-old could have another really good season. All right, AJ, that concludes our preview of all the clubs. Now it's time to put together our predicted order of finish, and I'm kind of surprised that you uh, favor my club a little bit more than I do. Well, Paul, I guess it speaks to your pessimism or or maybe your (laughs) realism about the club. Um, But I am, as you alluded to, I am going to go with Toronto as the number one team coming out of here. There's just too much talent um, on the front end. I do see them making a move at the trade deadline for a defenseman to kind of shore that up. But even without any uh, significant changes to the lineup, they've got so much firepower, it's hard to bet against this team. I'm going to go with Boston number two, and I think this is probably going to be Uh, our biggest disagreement but I like Tuka Rask in goal uh, and again uh, some forwards to to make up for some defensive uh, you know gaps Uh, Tampa Bay we outlined all the bright spots for them I put them at third Uh, could challenge for for even higher uh, but I I do think uh, Vasilevsky could uh, throw up an occasional stinker and that could limit them I've got Ottawa in fourth now whether they make the playoffs or not 
uh, is kind of an outlier only because the Metropolitan Division is so stacked. Uh, we could have another situation where only the top three Atlantic teams make the playoffs and all the wild cards go to the Metro. Montreal in fifth, I think there's too many concerns with some of their depth. Buffalo in sixth, they still need some time to develop, in my opinion. Florida down in seventh. I talked about their defense being uh, a kind of middle-of-the-road group, and I'm not sure the firepower is there. And then finally, uh, as Jimmy D said off the top, Detroit is in a rebuild, and I put them still in eighth. So that's kind of how I stacked them up. I think we're pretty close on some and a little far off on others, Paul. How'd you rank them? Yeah, at the top of the ladder, I give the Tampa Bay Lightning the nod. This is a team that I have a lot of time for. As I said, I'm a big fan of Steve Eiserman, what he did in the offseason. Nothing short of miraculous to straighten things out in terms of the salary cap. They're getting a healthy Steven Samkos to start the season. Great one-two punch in the middle of the ice there. And uh, I like the depth on defense. And I think Vasilevsky's going to thrive behind all that power up front uh, that insulates him. The Leafs, as you said, they're they're a little thin on the blue line. I'd like to see them shore that up. It may cost them a veteran uh, uh, up front, but that's the price you have to pay to get another top four guy, it seems. And it'll be a matter of time. It'll be interesting to see who they target down the line because you know that move's got to happen with uh, Bozak and JVR both playing out the string uh, with their final year of their contract. But Anderson has arrived as a front-line goalie. He was not a secret, though. This guy, even in Anaheim, had one of the highest win percentages win percentages among all goalies in the NHL and uh, just continue to do what he's done throughout his career so under the bright lights in Toronto he thrived and and uh, I expect him to do more of the same Ottawa I like like this team's offense I like uh, their goaltending their defense uh, their defense is a little murky for me particularly if Carlson doesn't stay healthy that's why I think they they may struggle to even hold on to third place I might rethink that uh, a little later but it's only I have them in third place just because I don't feel good about the Montreal situation AJ uh, for fans of the Canadians this is a team that has a few too many question marks uh, in front of their all all world goalie they're very thin on defense they've got some question marks among some of their star players even up front but uh, when your goalie is as good as Carey Price they're still going to be in a playoff conversation in my opinion and puts them it puts them just a notch ahead of Boston uh, for me the key with the Bruins is their one-two punch at center is one of the oldest in the league. I'll say that. And they also have the aging captain in Chara. So too many of their signature players are on the wrong side of 30 or even 40. And and uh, they need some of their young guys to continue that upward tra- trajectory. And certainly the arrival of McAvoy can really help on the blue line. And uh, Pasternak got to continue to do what he does. And they got to get another career year out of Marchand. So they could be in the mix too, but they need. there's too many question marks, too many requirements to keep them close. Then we're dead on in terms of agreement on the final three spots. I think the Buffalo Sabres, their, their rebuild kind of got a little bit sidelined with a couple of bad contract signings. And uh, so it slowed down their growth. But it's going to be fun to watch Jack Eichel and Ryan O'Reilly at center, another strong one-two combo. And they've got the enigmatic uh, winger there who has been of a bit of a problem. Uh, Evander Kane, some from time to time, gets into scrapes here and there but really needs to focus on the on-ice stuff. He's a real big talent, AJ, and and I think if he really could straighten out his act, he can be one of the top power forwards in hockey there. So they'll be a fun team to watch. They've got Ristolainen on the blue line and uh, another bit of a problem in net with the fact that Leonard just can't seem to keep his focus from uh, from straying from time to time. So again, a team with some question marks. Florida, they got uh, took a bit of a backward step last year, and uh, they would really be well-served if uh, a guy like Aaron Ekblad continued 
to to play like he did before last season came around but he took a bit of a uh, left turn and uh, needs to get that straightened out and they got to stay healthy up front Huberto and Barkov are their two big gunners uh, certainly I like Scott Bugstead as well uh, and 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 so that's a few a few of their guys that could be fun to watch. Detroit st- certainly has some na- young names to watch too, but way too many holes and way too many bad contracts that are weighing them down. And certainly that goalie situation a little too murky for my liking. So that puts the bottom thir- three teams not nowhere anywhere near in the playoff hunt. So AJ, I feel good about our analysis of the 31 teams. Are there any thoughts that you have before we close that, close it out? Well, the, the one thing I'll add is that uh, everything is back and right in the world with Yarmir Yager signed to a new club. He's going to be joining Calgary, his first foray into the Great White North. Uh, and I know it'll be uh, uh, much uh, much celebration among the traveling Yagers who are based <laughs> uh, based in his new club. So they, they're, they're just the Yagers now. They don't even have to travel anymore. Isn't that awesome? Well, uh, that wraps up this week's podcast with Statsman and AJ. Of course, the regular season starts tomorrow night. We'll be glued to our TVs and radios to catch all the action there. And we'll remind you to send your comments or questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22. And you can follow AJ at AJScholes24. You can now look forward to our first regular season broadcast next Tuesday where we will provide roster updates, injury news, and other topical news from around the NHL as well as a return of of our signature uh, stud and rant of the week on October the 10th. So we ask you to enjoy the start of the NHL season and we also ask you to look out for podcast Hockey Pod every week so you get an edge on the latest news and our tips to stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy contest. So long, everybody. 